in me. For I had gone with the multitude, I went with them to the house of God, with the voice of joy and praise, with a multitude that kept holy day. But I asked the question internally, why art thou cast down, O my soul? I mean, you know, you can be in a very, in a, in a, in a place that is marked for joy and uh, rejoicing, and yet you can find yourself still in a shallow place or a depressed place of life. That's where the psalmist finds himself. He asks this question, why, why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted in me? Hope thou in God, he speaks to himself, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. O my soul, O my God, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore will I remember thee from the land of Jordan and of the Hermonites and of the hill of Milzar. Deep calleth unto deep at the noise of thy water spouts. All thy waves and thy billows are gone over me. Yet the Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime, and in the night his song shall be with me, and my prayer unto the God of my life. I will say unto God, my rock, why hast thou forgotten me? Why go I mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with a sword in my bones, my enemies reproach me, while they say daily unto me, where is thy God? In the 11th verse, to summarize, it's, he repeats, but he adds a little additional to it. Why art thou cast down? He's speaking to himself. O my soul, and why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him, who is the health of my countenance and my God. And all the people said Amen. Now today, I want to give my message a title and a subtitle, and I'm going to give the title of Dealing with Depression. Dealing with Depression, that's the, the title today. But the subtitle is The Health of My Countenance. The Health of My Countenance. And so let's pray, and let's ask God to help us. I think that's fair in this room, don't you, today? Let's pray, and let's ask the Lord. Father, we love you, and we're grateful for the moment that you've given me given us collectively. You have brought us together as a people for this moment right here. And I know that you have, Father, by the sovereign work of your Holy Spirit, led people to this house, that they would be uh, a listening ear to the word that's going to be shared today. And I pray in the name of Jesus that you would uh, quicken this word. Make it a lot. Let this not be just on the pages of my notes, but let it be written on the tablet of the heart. A church family, would you pray and just ask God to prepare your heart? God, prepare our hearts to receive the engrafted word. God, I pray that it, uh, honesty and, Father, acknowledgement and aid and help, God. We look to you today, Father, for strength and grace and understanding and help in this sanctuary. It's in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen and amen. You can be seated. Now I'm going to share just a little personal moment just real quickly it's also going to tell you how I found myself feeling compelled to speak on this particular subject that I don't know that much about. I personally do not uh, struggle with depression. I don't think at any level, I'm just being honest, it's just not something that I, uh, in my personality, um, has, has struggled with. But I've learned that just because you don't struggle with it doesn't mean that you're not to be compassionate 
and considerate of those that it's a real issue in their life. Now, but there's one thing, though, that recently I have found myself kind of in need of just a little bit. And I have found myself in need of just a little bit of physical rest. And so I had a great conversation a couple of weeks back, myself and Sister Sherry, with Dr. Brassfield and Sister Kathy. And um, I just said, you know, I could use, we concluded that I could just use just a little bit of rest, just a few weeks. And I'm going to actually take off just a few weeks. Something I have never done in 23 years of pastoring. I was in the military on a Friday and I was pastoring on a Sunday, that quick. I said goodbye to my church in Shirley on a Sunday, and I said hello to Heber on a church, uh, to this church the next Sunday. And so it's been really busy. And then this past year, building that house, have, I have inspired... But I have felt the sting of that, and I could use just a little bit of, I need to make up some time reading, and so Sherry and I have got some things worked out, and JoJo's going to take the reins, and we've got different preachers. Joe's going to preach, Dr. Brassville's going to preach, Jason's going to preach, and, uh, and Sherry and I are going to just, be like Jesus, we're going to sit by the well for just a few weeks, and we need it, okay? I need it, but I want you to say, that as I'm saying that, I don't want you to think, now Pastor Brown must be, he's about to preach on depression, and he must know I'm not struggling with that at all. I'm compassionate towards someone that is. I just want to go, oh, just take a little bit of a break, okay? Let me say, this is my Walmart walk right here. That's what I call it. That's how I live life every day of my life. I live life at that pace. And every now and then you just need to, you need to, you need to stop. And I need to stop for just a minute and take a little bit of time. I've worked it out with the board. Got the, you know, my greatest counselor in my life is Dr. Brassfield. And I've got the encouragement of those guys. And so uh, I feel really good about it. It's a necessary thing. So don't, you know, we told Alyssa about it yesterday, and she broke into tears. She thought that I must really, you know, I said, Alyssa, we're just taking a little time off. Last week, last year, we didn't take a vacation because we moved for two solid weeks every day. Oh, shatakai, Mosia. I wouldn't wish that upon anybody. And so it, it will be beneficial to us to do so. So just to let you know. But what happened, though, so Dr. Brassville told me this. He said, now, Pastor Brown, he said, he said, it'll be harder to leave than what you think it will be. He said, because, you know, I'm responsible for a lot of things. I'm responsible for a lot of people. Not only for a lot of people, but also for the management of the church. There's a financial aspect to the church, right? There's a business side to the church. There's a lot of things that I have my own little farm that I take care of. And he said, it'll be harder. And I was right on the edge of kind of backing out because I thought, you know, I can just, I live out here on this little farm. I can get some time away and all that stuff. And, but then a tragedy struck this past week. And this tragedy was the death, the self-inflicted death of a well-known pastor in California. Maybe some of you have followed his name. I can't pronounce his last name because I was not familiar with him until this tragedy. His name was Pastor Andrew Stokeland. He was 30 years old. He was a pastor of, of, a, of a large, thriving church. And he had struggled. He confessed throughout the latter three years of the, of the senior pastorate. He had inherited the pastorate of the church from his father. His father was a very well-respected pastor. And he passed that, that ministry on to his son. And the father died that same year, 2015, of leukemia. And the pastor has, has openly talked about his struggle with depression, Pastor Andrew, and his struggle with panic attacks for the four years that he had been, the, or the three years he had been the senior pastor but this week, uh, in the church building, with other people around, he attempted to take his life. 
and he died the next day due to complications or as a result of that attempting to take his life on the previous day. And he left a beautiful wife and three young boys. And it's just heart-wrenching. It is. Now, the reason I'm why I'm, I'm, I'm using that as a catalyst here real quickly. That's where I found part of my inspiration. I found part of my inspiration to speak on today. So the, also, I say this very respectfully, but also that was another reason why I found myself saying, go ahead and take a few extra w- couple weeks off. Not because I'm dealing with depression, but just because I was telling Sister Sherry this right here. And I said, Sister Sherry, I said, I'm not saying this to be critical at all. I said, but if I was, if I was speaking to pastors and they asked me and they told me that they were struggling with depression and things of that nature, and they were on the edge of maybe even doing something that could potentially be harmful to themselves or to their family or to others around them, you know what? I would look them in the eye and I'd tell them, then get out. Get out. Fold the, you know, the prayer shawl up and, and go and take care of yourself and take care of your family. Because the Bible says he that desires the office of a bishop desires a good work. And if that desire is gone, then do something else. Right? Does it take away from your communion with God and your fellowship with God? And so when I said that, though, it's like something just struck me. So, well, then you need to heed your own advice. You know, you need to be willing to, I said this later, I said the best time to take your automobile to see Randy Grubbs at his mechanic shop is not when it's broke down. Did y'all hear me today? And right, it's to get a little preventative maintenance. And so, so, there, so I found a compulsion both. I found a personal compulsion to take a little bit of extra time, something I've not done in 23 years. But I also found uh, my heart was broken over that. I looked, in the, I looked at the pictures of those three little boys, and they looked like my sons. And, and it was a beautiful wife, and this whole church family is grieving. And I thought to myself, you know, is, is, is there something? Should we, should we just talk about this? And so I'm going to in the very best way that I can today. So y'all pray with me and pray for me. I want you to open your heart up. Say, let me make some statements here. Number one, depression is real. And let's just, depression is one of several mental illnesses that millions of Americans struggle with. I want you to listen to some of the statistics. One in five adults in the United States. So on a typical Sunday morning, there's 200 adults in this sanctuary on a typical Sunday, probably down just a little bit today. So that means at any given time, 40 people under the sound of my voice are like David or like the psalmist. You're worshiping while you may be struggling with something. One in five suffer from some type of mental illness. It's estimated that 16.2 million Americans in the course of one year will face one uh, pretty serious bout of depression. There are different types of mental illnesses, even different types of depression, such as bipolarism and, and such. But depression is defined as a common and a serious medical illness that negatively affects how you feel, the way you think, and how you act. Now, don't you listen to this, and this is what's scary, and this is the thing that causes us you know, to, to really stop what we're doing for just a moment. And unfortunately, it takes tragedy to cause us to look closer at some of these things. Depression is the linked cause to two-thirds of all the suicides that happen in the United States each year. So two out of every three suicides that, that take place and tragedies that happen in the United States, depression is the linked cause. Now let me give you, and I know some of you are familiar with this, but not everybody is. Common symptoms of depression, or what we were calling major depression, which we'll def- define that here in just a moment, would be deep sadness or emptiness or apathy or loss of interest or pleasure in usual activities. It can be agitation or restlessness. It can be sleep disturbances 
or weight or appetite disturbances. It's a diminished ability to think or to concentrate. It's the feelings of excessive guilt, self-reproach, or worthlessness. It's fatigue and a loss of energy. And it can include morbid thoughts of both death and suicide. Now, the American Psychiatric Association wants to differentiate depression from sadness or grief. And I think it's important for us to do so. Because uh, many times grief is certainly associated with loss. But grief is a, a natural response to loss. Let's go a little farther. Grief or grieving is natural. And I put my own personal note here, here because as a pastor, I've walked with many people, as David said, through the valley of the shadow of death. And I've sat there myself when it was my own mother and Sherry's mother and Sherry's father and Sherry's stepfather that we buried. And so we've been there. We've been in those moments. And so the heart will not heal if you do not grieve properly. So grief, but so in a moment in grief, painful things come in waves. But they're often mixed with positive memories of the deceased. But in major depression, mood and pleasure is decreased for most of two weeks or longer. In grief, self-esteem is usually maintained. But in depression, feelings of self-loathing and worthlessness is common. Now, I want to take just a moment to look at just real quickly some of the additional consequences to depression. As if the fact that you're at risk of, uh, of some type of harmful activity... Beyond the obvious ones, just real quickly, let me, uh, which are such as loss of productivity on the job or loss in your family. And I've known people in the relationships are really strained because it's, it's, it's divided the, the, the couple or the family. But did you know that a weakened immune system is one of the direct results of depression? And so if you have a weakened immune system, then what are you? You're more susceptible to what? Sickness and disease, right? So there are consequences to it. You have a 50% increase of stroke during the, uh, when you're in depression. For those of you, and did you know this? this? This matters. Listen to this very carefully because there are those under the sound of my voice that you've suffered a cardiac arrest and you, are, you survived. But you know that if you fa fall into some type of depression, which sometimes follows a major illness, did you know that, you, that there's an increase, a chance of another heart attack by 250% as a result of being depressed? Women are twice as likely to be depressed than men. And they tend, women tend to feel their depression while men at times act it out in their behavior. And so what they, you may see them with a rage, you may see them with hostility, and you may see them with a frustration, but inwardly it's because of a depression that they're dealing with. But here's the key point in the, trans, the transition for just a moment. And that, and that is, is that, does the Bible say anything about it? Does the Word of God address it? And before I begin to address that, listen to a study, the results of a study. Now, we talk a lot about young adults leaving the church, don't we? Did you know the, scripture, or the, the, the studies show that 3 out of 10 um, uh, youth that are brought up in the church within 10 years, or that's only 3 that's left, that the other 7 have drifted away from the church? And, and a recent Barna study said this, one-fifth of all the young adults who leave the church do so because their faith they don't believe that their faith helps with depression or emotional problems. That their faith or the church or, or, or going uh, studying and all those things uh, is not addressing the, the mental illnesses and the depression that we see uh, 16 million Americans dealing with in the course of a calendar year. And you know what I want to say about that? I would beg to differ with that today. I believe that the Scripture does, and it does say so, so and it addresses it. And I want to talk about that just real quickly. So I wrote this question, does the Bible mention depression? No and yes. Yes and no. What do you mean, Pastor Brown? 
Well, no, the word, the exact word depression is not found. But yes, in these words, listen to what the psalmist said. Psalm 34 and 18 says, those who were crushed in spirit. Psalm 40 uh, uh, noted uh, an emotional experience called a horrible pit and miry clay. The scriptures use these terms, troubled, miserable, despairing, and mourning. The psalmist said this, that I have sorrow in my heart daily. Proverbs 15 and 13 says, a merry heart will make a cheerful countenance, but by sorrow of heart, the spirit is broken. So while the exact word or phrase of medical depression is not found in the word of God, but these words are crushed in spirit, a horrible pit, troubled, miserable, despairing, mourning, sorrow in heart, and broken in heart. And so, and if that's not enough, let me just take you a little bit deeper. I found out that what helps me when I'm going through any type of situation in my life, because I'm a person of faith, if I can make, and you've heard me reference this many times, if I can make a biblical association with somebody in the Word of God, a biblical figure, and I can look in their life and look at their life and how God brought them through, then that brings encouragement to me. Do you ever do that? I search the Word of God. Well, let me take you into biblical association for just a moment to just see if there are some major biblical figures that may have faced depression. Because just that knowledge might help lead you to either managing that depression or even overcoming that depression. Psalm 143 in verse number 4 says this, My spirit is overwhelmed within me, and my heart within me is desolate. So the psalmist here is saying, My heart is desolate. Psalm 142 in verse number 4 says, Refuge failed me, and no man cared for my soul. Psalm 61 and 2 says these words, My heart is overwhelmed. You say, now, Pastor, why are you reading those three psalms? Because we're talking about a biblical figure. Because all the poetic uh, psalms that I just read were penned by who we call the sweet psalmist of Israel. The sweet psalmist of Israel, who we call the giant killer. We call the one that came whirling and twirling and dancing. And we know him because he entered into God's uh, gates with thanksgiving. And he entered into God's gates with praise. But this same man that we know of as the giant killer, let me tell you, his greatest giant that he fought, this greatest adversary that he battled may have not been Goliath, but it may have been the darkness of depression. Because King David is the one that penned this psalm that we used as a scriptural text and the previous psalms. And it's revealing his struggle, the struggle that he faced inwardly while there were battles that were going on around him. And if you notice the text that we chose in Psalm 42, it's, 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 it's revealing to us David's uh, struggle with depression. He's even asking, he's searching for God. He's asking, I've found that many times when people are in depression, they're searching for God. David said, as the deer is thirsting for water, he said, so I'm thirsting for God. It's not that I'm away from God. It's not that I'm apathetical towards God. I'm trying to find God. And then other people are ridiculing him by saying, where is your God? And in this passage of Scripture, David even said this, and I noted it when we read, but you think about this for a moment, because coming into the house of God is a rejoyous time. And many times you come in here on a Sunday morning, and it helps when the sun's shining, and you've got a little bit more of a smile about you, but almost always you're greeted by the smiling face of Pastor Brown. 
And Pastor Brown is welcoming you, and I'm living life with a smile. But I tell you what, I was brought to the awareness as I prepared this message that at any given moment, 40 of the 200 people that are walking in the doors of this church could be dealing with depression. And so David said, I went with them that went into God's house worshiping, and they were excited, and they were praising God. But on the inside, he said, I was struggling. And he was even questioning, and he was asking, and he said these words. He said, soul, my soul, why are you disquieted within me? Why are you cast down? Why is my soul disquieted? And it led to him saying, you know what? He said, I can't sleep at night. And he said, and I can't eat a loss of appetite day and night. The psalmist gives us a little glimpse into what it was like when he was facing depression. And I don't know about you, but that just helps me. It just helps me to know that a giant killer named David might have faced a similar struggle that you might be facing today or that I might face in my life. What about others? The Bible tells us that Elijah, he sat under a tree and he also met God in a cave. And you know what he said? He said, God, I'm ready to die. He didn't say, God, give me another word. I'm ready to preach. I'm ready to confront another Jezebel or another Ahab. He said, God, just take me out. I'm ready to give it up. Hannah's heart was in bitterness of soul. The Bible says as a result of her not having a child, so for a season of time, she was in a darkness that she defined herself as bitterness of soul. Naomi's life had become so broken. Her name, Naomi, meant pleasantness. She said, don't call me Naomi anymore because call me Mara because I'm bitter. I'm bitter about life. I'm bitter about God. And I'll tell you what, in the solitude of that bitterness, I'm going to imagine there was a deep, hollow place called depression. Let's go a little bit farther. Job asked these questions. Job said in Job 3, verse 11, why did I not die from the womb? Did you hear that? Job asked the question. He said, why did I not die from the womb? Job then later said this, the thing that I have greatly feared has come upon me. And Job said these words, my soul is weary of my life. I will speak in the bitterness of my soul. Did you know that even the apostle Paul said these words? He said, outside were fightings, but inside was a deep-seated fear. He said, we had no rest. And he described his present condition as cast down. Are y'all with me out there today? But you know what? Despite all of those biblical figures that you and I seek to identify, there's maybe one statement in the New Testament that stands out above and beyond all else that should speak to every one of us that have ever dealt with some type of mental illness in our lives or a loved one or a friend. It should create in us a greater compassion because these next few words should reverberate in our heart today in the form of identification with somebody that went through maybe not depression but definitely a panic attack. Definitely, and you know what, that's actually what many feel like was the actual cause of Andrew, Pastor Andrew's death was not depression at that moment, was most likely a panic attack. But in this passage of Scripture right here, listen to these words. Jesus himself said, my soul, my soul, and in that passage of Scripture, in that passage in Matthew chapter number 26, Jesus reveals the trichotomy of mankind, and that is man is a spirit a soul, and a body. And you may remember in that passage later, Jesus said these words, the spirit is willing, 
The pneuma in the Greek, the breath of God on the inside of me. In my spirit, I'm strong. He said, now my fleshly appetites are weak. But when he first asked for help, here's how he described it. He said, my soul is exceeding sorrowful even to the point of I don't know if I'm going to make it out of this garden tonight. I don't know about you, but that does something for me right there. Number one, I thank God that Jesus came to identify with me. He was made likened to his brethren. He was tempted and tried in all points. He felt what I'm feeling, and he's feeling what you're feeling, and he can identify with you today. Thank God for Jesus. What about other notable people? Can I just mention just a few for a moment of time? Because I'm trying to create a context for us today where we can take depression, which often is, is, is given a medical or a clinical uh, known as a clinical disease, but to look at it uh, from a little bit more of a spiritual perspective and then somehow ask ourselves if we can fold it together. Is there a little bit of both? Is it medical and also spiritual? What about other notable people? Did you know Martin Luther during the days of the Reformation, history records that there were days, not only days, but weeks, entire weeks, he could not even get out of the bed. The man that penned the most beautiful psalms, the man that nailed the 95 Thesis to the door in Wittenberg, Germany, that was uh, uh, crying out against the Catholic Church, that man had, had, had days of depression. Let's go farther. John Calvin, the father of Calvinists, Calvinism. John Wesley, poet Emily Dixon, author and theologian C.S. Lewis, the author of the Narnia uh, uh, series. And I'm not talking about movie, but books. But how about this one, Sir Isaac Newton? But what about Mother Teresa? Listen to what Mother Teresa said. Mother Teresa said, I want to smile even at Jesus and so hide, if it possible, the pain and the darkness of my soul. Florence Nightingale, the, the, the founder of modern nursing, a contemporary figures such as Barbara Bush or Joyce Meyer, but even presidents, Abraham Lincoln, said this about his own bouts of depression. He said this. Listen very carefully. I was moved with this. I am now the most miserable man living. This is what Abraham Lincoln penned. If what I feel were equally distributed to the whole human family, there would not be one cheerful face on earth. Whether I shall be better, I cannot tell. I regretfully foretell I shall not. To remain as I am is impossible. He said, I must die or get better. It appears to me. And here's a startling, here's a startling statistic. Did you know 46% of all pastors... The men that stand on platforms and the women that stand on platforms all across this United States to preach to you on a Sunday, 46% have suffered with some level of depression, including one that I want to mention today before I take this and make this real personal here today, personal to each of us here as a fellowship. Are y'all out there with me today? Are y'all are engaging? I hope you... There's not a preacher here today that's not read the writings of what we what history calls him the prince of preachers, Charles Spurgeon. Charles Spurgeon became the pastor of the Metropolitan Tabernacle in London, England when he was 21 years old. He pastored it until he was, I think, his death at 57, so almost 40 years. He was of a brilliant mind, a brilliant theologian, and if you read his writings, and many of you have and many of you will, it's like reading the King James English all over again because he was, uh, you know, his language and was of the same, and, and it's, he's so articulate and so powerful, 
uh, preachers to this day still search through his sermons to gain uh, inspiration for their messages. But I didn't know until I was studying uh, for this message today that the prince of preachers struggled with depression, not just once, but all throughout his ministry. As a matter of fact, if you'll go to certain websites, you can find entire uh, uh, pages written about the struggle where Charles himself described. Listen to what he said real quickly. He said, the mind can descend far lower than the body, for there are bottomless pits. Let me say that one more time. That's really stayed with me. The mind can descend far lower than the body, for there are bottomless pits. And he said this another time. He said, I have been very ill for more than five weeks. And during that time, I have been brought into the deep waters of mental depression. And so the men and women that sometimes stand before you behind what we call a sacred desk, a pulpit with the Bible spread out like I have and scriptures on the screen and a microphone around our head or at our hand and we're preaching and we're encouraging 46% of those pastors at some point in time in the course of that year, the course of their ministry, they're going to have a very serious bout of depression. It's a real. I'm going to go back to point number one. Depression is real. And with it being the, 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 the leading cause of suicide, then who are we to be muted on the subject? If you can't come to the church and gain a little bit of encouragement or instruction along this line, then maybe we've missed it. Then maybe we're really not helping people. At the level, because, listen, God entrusts us with the spirit, but God entrusts us to also encourage the soul. And God entrusts us to encourage you to take care of your body because it's the temple of the Holy Ghost. So I've got two final things to talk about. Number one, which is point six for me, what is the cause or causes? And then I'll say, is there a cure? So let's look at it just real quickly under that context. What is the cause? Well, the medical community identifies the causes of depression as this right here. Nutrient deficiency, causes of depression. Not just one cause, multiple causes. Listen, nutrient deficiency, drugs. Hello? Aren't we a, 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 a drug-addicted generation? Low blood sugar, hormonal imbalances, allergies. This is very painful, a sexual abuse as a child, abuse as a child, toxins, medical conditions can lead to depression, meaning you can be sick in one area that leads to depression such as stroke, heart disease, cancer. Many times people receive a life-altering medical diagnosis and they find themselves slipping into a season of depression, diabetes and Parkinson's diseases, Nit natural light deprivation, and other psychological factors. And listen to this. The medical community even says spiritual factors. So let's go a little bit farther. So even the medical community includes spiritual issues. But this is what I've observed as a pastor. And this is how I'm going to hopefully try to help you today if I can. Unfortunately, most Christians blame depression on the devil. Everything's about the devil. Everything's about a spiritual attack. And I want to say this. Sometimes it might be. I'm not trying to take away uh, you know, the, the reality that there is an enemy and there's a devil and there's demonic spirits. But did you know when Jesus was about to have that panic attack in the garden, there's no reference to Satan, Lucifer, old Slewfoot, or the dragon? There's no reference to it at all. As a matter of fact, Satan was working on Judas. 
Jesus was fighting his own battle in his mind about what he was going to have to face on the morrow. So you say, well, pastor, you're a pastor. Well, then you tell me then, does depression have a spiritual root? And if so, what is it? Well, I'm going to do my best. This is my, in my personal opinion. In the Calvinist doctrine of total depravity is this teaching right here, that man's sin in the garden affected the whole of a human being. His spirit, his soul, we define the soul as your mind, your will, and your emotions, and your flesh. And so today, without being too theological, the perfect condition of the garden has been lost. Mankind is marred. And in our fallen condition, we're subject to not only sin, but sickness and disease, both physical and psychological and emotional. So let me go and add to this very quickly. Thus, in my opinion, these, that, that very fact leads to the other more natural causes of depression. So if I could conclude this, I would say the spiritual root of depression is the fall of man. Man's in a fallen state. And listen, Romans 5, Paul said, By one man, sin entered the world, and death by sin. You say, well, Pastor Brown, all right, so if depression then has some measure of a spiritual component, then, then what's the cure? Is there a cure? And if so, what is the cure? Well, here's what I'm going to do for you today as I start to close this message. I'm not going to promise you a cure. But you know what I am going to promise you? I'm going to promise you hope. I'm going to promise you hope today because I believe with God all things are possible. And I believe that a Christian can never be and should never be in a hopeless situation. And so I've got five points that I'm going to drop down in your spirit to make a culmination of an application to this to help you, if in any way possible, to at least come to the degree where there's an acknowledgement that it's a real issue. So let's go to number one real quick. You say, what's the cure? And so again, I'm not going to give you a cure because I don't have a cure, but I do have hope. And number one is that we're, we must hope in God. Point number one, we must hope in God. The psalmist said this. He said, he said my soul is disquieted. I'm downcast. I'm in a deep depression. But you know what? I'm going to hope in God. What do you mean by that, Pastor Brown? I want you to, I want you to say this. God is your refuge. He's an ever-present help in the time of trouble. Even during the darkest days of your life, God is still there. He's still a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Let me say this about God today. He is Jehovah Rapha. He's the Lord who heals you. Did you know Jesus Christ had a crown of thorns that was pressed down upon his brow until his own brow flowed with his own life-giving blood that I believe is a, for you and I to look to and say, Jesus, you bore my anxieties. You carried my concerns to the cross with you. Come on, somebody. And I can look to you and I confess and I can say, you're my healer today, Lord God. I'm going to hope in God. And remember what the psalmist said. The psalmist summarized and he said, here, here, here's the health. If my countenance, which biblical language, has fallen me, my countenance has fallen because of my depression, he said the one thing that's going to help my countenance is God. God, the supernatural. See, that's what the medical community cannot understand. The medical community can only address the soulless realm and the physical realm. But you and I have communion with God in the spirit. And it can bleed over into our soulless realm. And when God's presence breaks forth upon you, there's healing in the presence of God. 
Hope thou in God. That's what the psalmist said. The psalmist said, God, when I have forgotten and when they're reproaching me and my soul is cast down, I'm just going to remind myself that on the other side of the darkest cloud of my life is my God. And I'm going to be reminded that my God is my health and he's my hope. So don't give up. Don't give up. Let's go number two. And all of these build upon the other and they're very important. Number two, and this is going to shock you. Listen very carefully today. Number two, be willing to get treatment. Even medical treatment. Some of you are saying, Pastor Brown, we talk about spiritual issues here at the church. And Pastor Brown, we believe in divine healing. And you're telling people to be willing to get medical treatment. Yes, I am. Yes, I am. There are some things I can help you with. There are some things as the pastor that I'm trained and equipped. And there are some things that's beyond my both my training and my ability and my calling. And you can't put that burden on us as a pastor because that's where the breach is going to be created because we're going to feel limited in our ability. But you know there are those that possess a professional gifting and equipping that are equipped and they're studied and they can help you. This is what studies show. Listen to this. 80 to 90% of people who seek treatment get better within two to three weeks. Did you hear that? Of the 16 million Americans that might struggle with depression, listen, if they all went for treatment, 80 to 90 percent, 12 million of them will be better within two to three weeks, and their whole life could change positively. But here's the problem. Only one-third of those 16 million Americans will get help. I have a problem with that. I think you need to get help. You need to be willing to go. I want to show something. This is a little bit of a detour from the message, and I've kind of contemplated because I don't want you to make the wrong association. Do you see what this I want to tie this one to number one, hope thou in God. Do you see what this is right here, this little, this little bottle right here? This bottle radically changed my life. This little bottle did. And it's not natural remedies. But what is it, Pastor Brown? It say it's empty now, and there's another $124 bottle at home. I had dermatitis for many years. And if I got, when it was stress-related, it would get worse. And when I was pastoring, uh, you know, in Shirley and here and at home, I'm telling you, there were times, and, I, and please let me, make this, let me make this analogy. I'm not trying to compare depression to dermatitis because that doesn't mix. But the point that I'm going to make is applicable. I, I can't tell you the times, because especially when I first became the pastor here at Heber, y'all must have stressed me out a lot. Because I'm telling you, there were times that my, my scalp was so agitated, and I'd keep my hair cut because the sun would help as much as I could. And I can't tell you the times that I would sit on, our, on, a, on a brown piece of leather furniture at home and with an agitation and get up, and it would be literally disgusting. Okay, and... And, and I'd been to the VA, and the VA failed me in that moment. Now, they're better now. And, but they failed me. They didn't give me anything. And one day, I happened to be in the doctor's office, Dr. Bivens' office, with one of my kids. And I kind of mentioned that. And he said, well, let me give you something. And he gave me this little bottle right here. And I, and I put that on about two to three weeks later. Uh, the dermatitis has been gone for many, many years. And now, that's why I wear these black T-shirts that I wear, because I couldn't for many years. And, and so you say, Pastor, no, it changed my life. That little thing, it changed my life. I was so conscious of it. 
you know, because I'm hugging people at church. I'm home, but you don't want to hug, you know, right? I was very conscious of it. And so this little bottle, you say, Pastor, why are you mentioning this? Because are you going to make me feel unspiritual because I'm taking it? Are you going to make me feel like, Pastor Ron, you believe in healing? Yeah, I did, and I do. And you know what? Jehovah Rapha gave somebody in a, in a, li- a lab somewhere the wisdom to put this component together so that I could take it and that I could be without dermatitis. Now, other people may not think that way, but I'm going to hope thou in God. I believe that every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights. No matter how it comes to me, it may come through your hands, but it comes from my God. And so I just thank God for it. So you can judge me if you want to, but, you know, even this morning, I pulled it out a little bit this morning because I knew y'all be stressing me a little bit today. So here's what I want to say. I can't give you advice on treatment or medicine, but don't be afraid of it. Thank God for it. Thank him for it. There's no shame in medical treatment. Number three, be willing to change your lifestyle. We're about to close. Y'all stay with me. And I know you're, well, Pastor, you was good. It was good until then. Because, listen to this, though. Newer research has discovered that virtually all depressed people had a significant decrease in the brain's frontal lobes, blood flow, and activity. So listen to this. So the main cause of impaired frontal lobe is a harmful lifestyle. So get ready. I know you didn't want to hear this, but you need to be willing to change. It could be partially diet-related because we put a lot of junk in our bodies. We go to the, the, the gas pump, and we put premium in our car. And then we put junk in our bodies, right? And expect it to run right all the time. So I'm telling you, that as I studied this, you better be willing to eat healthier. I mean, just, just changing your diet could lift you up out of that pit. Does that make sense? And number two, and I know it's going to get real quiet in here on this one, the need for physical exercise. Oh, Jesus, now. I need an altar service right now, right now. Lord, worship team, it's time to come back two points early. But you know what the Apostle Paul said? He said, he said physical exercise profiteth little. That means there is some profit in it. Did you know the medical community, and many of you know this, but endorphins are released in your brain during exercise. And it triggers positive feelings in your body. Listen to what it does. Proven medically, scientifically, it reduces stress. It improves sleep. It improves self-esteem, and it wards off anxiety and feelings of depression. So you got to, come on, you got to get up. You got to do it. You got to change your life. Number three, if we're going to overcome, then we got to have some lifestyle changes. Does that make sense? Number four, daily devotion. I believe that's critical. To overcoming. What do you mean by daily devotion? I mean the word, I mean prayer, and I mean worship. And I mean you got to do it like medicine, even when you don't want to do it. How many of you have ever prescribed something by the doctor and you don't want to take it, but you know that if you'll just stay the course, come on, you just stay the course. When I was a kid, I could not swallow pills. Gosh. I, would, I know you're thinking, Pastor, with the mouth as big as you got, you couldn't swallow a pill. You could take a horse pill could go down there. But I couldn't, I just get, I mean, I thought I was being waterboarded. <laughs> and so my mama would have to take those capsules, I'd have to get those capsules. 
And she would pull him apart. Oh, it was horrible, terrible. My taste buds are still marred as a result of it. But you know what? I had to still do it. So I'm telling you, even when you don't want to, even when you don't feel like worshiping God, you got to get your praise on. Come on, that's one thing that David taught us to do. David taught us that he learned to encourage himself in God. When nobody could pick him up, when nobody could lift him up, David said, you know what, I'm going to cause these hands that hang down, I'm going to raise them up anyhow, even when I don't feel anything. Let me go just a little bit farther. The Bible says that his word is health to all your flesh. It's medicine to all your flesh. Just read it, listen to it, study it. Did you know that all three, the word, prayer, and worship, scientifically proven, it's useful in the activation of the frontal lobe of your brain? The one thing that's not is Eastern mysticism meditation. But when you activate your brain, because I'm active in worship. I'm active when I'm reading the Word of God, and it's stirring, and it's creating something inside of me. And the psalmist said this. He said, hope in God. Worship God. And the psalmist said this. He said, in the night, he's going to give me a song. He's going to give me a song. I encourage you to do this today. And there's one more point before I close today. Listen, keeper, if you find yourself in a depressed place in life, don't be listening to a bunch of garbage. Turn that country music off. Turn that head-banging music off uh, and get you on some worship music. Uh, you say, Pastor Brown, I don't like that. I don't care what kind of worship music. It doesn't matter. It can be the, the it can be Southern Gospel. It can be the Gaithers. I don't care. You listen to it. Lift your countenance. Lift your own spirit. Get a dance. Come on. Get a song or surround yourself by a song of deliverance. Listen, even in your most feeble condition, you can pull out your phone in today's modern technology and click on a song. And click on a song and start singing about the wonderful name of Jesus and the power of the name of Jesus and the beauty of holiness and the grace of God. And I'm telling you, deep will begin to call to deep. Deep will begin to call to deep. Because inside you, even in your depression, is that inner man, the real man, the real you, and the glory of God and the goodness of God will begin to call to it and it will begin to rise up inside of you and it can lift you out. It can. It can lift you out of that moment. So don't neglect it. Don't neglect it. Do Listen, get treatment. Be willing to change your lifestyle. But don't neglect daily devotion. Daily. Did you hear that? Daily. Daily devotion. Man, that's a good word right there. And lastly today, as I'm going to ask Aaron, are y'all here today? Would y'all come back? If, are, they, are they there? Gone? Here? Somewhere? Gone? Out here? Exercise thing. They're gone. They're changing their lifestyle. So there he is. He was in the booth. Matter of fact, I think the worship team could come back. I think those songs at the end, if whoever's here, would be really good, if at all possible, at some level today. Number five, I'm closing right here. No other pages. This is perhaps the most important. I've already said prayer, the word, study, devotion. That's powerful, right? So I said pray. Lastly, though, ask for prayer support. Did you hear that? Ask for prayer support. Ask for it. Ask for it. Did you know what Jesus said? Here's what Jesus said. It wasn't depression, but I would dare say it was a panic attack. He was, Jesus was privy to human emotions. Come on, wasn't he? Listen, when you say your soul is so oppressed that you don't know if you're going to survive that night, that's real, right? And Jesus is not somebody that uses outlandish claims, is he? I mean, he's, he selected three 
of his closest disciples. And he said, watch with me. Watch with me. Because my soul, my soul is so sorrowful even to death. Let me tell you, it's important that you ask people to hold you up in prayer. It's important that you, if you're in a moment of loss and sorrow and struggling, you need to have somebody, multiple people, that you could pick up the phone or that you could call and say, help me right now, right now. Did you know the tragedy of Pastor Andrew's taking of his life was he did it inside the church with other workers in the building. And the tragedy is this. Without hesitation, he could have simply said, somebody help me right now. Somebody pray with me. I don't care how unspiritual you think I am. I don't care. I'm telling you, the human compassion in all of us would leap right there. And we would say, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't harm yourself. Don't, don't. You're fighting, but you're not fighting alone. You're not fighting alone. Somebody will be there to help you. Somebody will strengthen you. So today, as I've studied this out, let me tell you, all I've studied is just one grain of sand on a whole beach. And all I know is what I taught you today. That's all I know. I can't tell you any more about it. I can't say come to the pastor to diagnose it. Don't do that. That's wrong. That's a pressure you're putting on men that are not equipped and not trained for it. But we can encourage you, and you've heard that encouragement today. Number one, hope in God. Don't give up. Please don't give up. Always think with God all things are possible. Live to fight another day, right? You can do it by the grace of God. He's the health of your countenance. You may be going to medical doctors and, and, and taking medicine or prescriptions or non-prescription, whatever the case might be, herbal, doesn't matter. It all flows from God because every good and perfect gift comes to you from God, right? And in that passage there again in Number three, be willing to make some changes, right? Be willing to change. You can't just keep doing the things. Maybe there's, a, maybe there's something physical that you can do that will alter. Maybe there's something you can give up in your diet. Maybe there's a better, you say, Pastor Brown, you become one of those. Yeah, I'm going to talk about real issues in here up here today. Maybe you're putting so much junk in your body that it's triggering something inside you. And if you would put something better in your body, it would give you a better outlook on life, then you got to make that change, right? That's very important, so please hear that today. Physical exercise does profit a little. It does. And lastly, number five, ask people to pray with you. You know what? That, that's, that's a humbling of yourself. It's an acknowledging that, you know what, that we need somebody and we need others. And so we're here at this moment right now, and I want to ask every person to stand up with me today. And this is going to be real. It's going to be real, genuine, and authentic, yet it's very difficult. It's very difficult. But I would be, I have to do this today. I have to do this today because I believe that God put this word on my heart. Now, I believe that with all of my heart today. I have prayed diligently. I have studied um, faithfully. And I believe with all of my heart that the Lord put this word in my heart for this congregation today. I do. I believe that. And it's going to take great courage on my part next and your part even greater. The courage I exhibit here is going to be diminished to the courage that you're going to have to show. The courage that I have to have is I have to be courageous enough 
to create a moment that says, you know what, it's a safe place. Don't be ashamed. Come to the front here in just a moment. Say, Pastor, I don't, I've tried to internalize this. That's part of the problem. That's part of the problem. Jesus, he didn't tell the world, but he did tell somebody. He did tell somebody. He said, somebody help me. So I'm showing just a little bit of courage because I know that I'm asking a vulnerable person to expose the vulnerability of what they're dealing with on a Sunday morning. And I know that. But number two, it's going to take far greater courage on your part because every voice inside your mind is going to say, don't, that's not you. Don't go. You don't need to. Hey, listen, it's Labor Day weekend. you got a lot to do. you got family in. There's things to do. Listen, shut all those voices down. If God is speaking to your heart and you're honest enough today to say, Pastor, I've either struggled with depression in the past or I'm struggling with it right now, then I want to ask you to have the courage, as Sister Pat does right now, and come to the front so we can pray with you today. So I'm going to ask you right now, and then I'm going to ask the men and the women of God to be courageous enough to come alongside. And let's pray. That's what we're going to give you. I want you as individuals to take to heart everything that I said, all five points, all five points today make a difference in your life. Hope in God. Get the medical treatment that you need. Don't be ashamed. There's no stigma uh, that you've got to separate yourself from that type of thought process that there's a stigma that you're unspiritual if you ask for counselors or you go to uh, counseling or you go to medical doctors listen I told you this little bottle this little bottle changed my life there may be something out there for you Uh, a doctor can prescribe it somebody can give you the counseling that you need change your life change your lifestyle keep reading the word keep reading the word And you've asked for help. Now, church family, all these that have come to the front today, they took a giant step of faith. Now, you know what they need right now? They need somebody to come alongside right now. I want to ask the church family, flood this altar with me right now. Flood this altar. Flood. Don't you walk away. Don't you run away. Listen, it's more important that somebody feels the arm or the touch or the hand on their shoulder to let them know somebody cares. Somebody loves them. Somebody's praying for them. Don't give up. Don't give in. Continue to believe. Trust the Lord. The psalmist said...